Welcome back to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. Every week we dive into juicy topics for women navigating the business arena, leadership, and their personal self-development. We reframe business and life with a more feminine lens to help women find more fulfillment, freedom, and success. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Laura Schick-Guzman. Today, we thought we would dive into the topic of women supporting women. In the U.S., this month is Women's Small Business Month, actually, and it's a great time to sort of celebrate supporting women. And, you know, I think we all do that to some degree in our business, but I think it's also great to stop and evaluate are we supporting women completely? Is there areas that we're avoiding supporting women? Or what can we do to support women a little more? So that's what we thought we would explore and discuss today. Yes. Uh-huh. One of my favorite topics, I mean, so many of our topics, <laughs> I, I can almost say they're all my favorite. But this one I have kind of close to heart because, you know, I don't know about you, Sonia, but throughout my life, I've actually been really very fortunate to have um, a lot of women around me. I have built communities with women and I have had pretty positive experiences with those communities. And yet I have clients and I have friends who are often uh, confused by my positive <laughs> reflections and they're like, "Have really? Has it always been that great? Because I've really been bullied by other women or I had that mean girl experience or, you know, a coworker that was always pushing me down. And so it was really, you know, it's been through other people's experiences that I've learned that there's a lot more to this sort of sisterhood glass ceiling, this tendency for women to kind of limit other women's successes. But it it's something that kind of I've been thinking a little bit about. And um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to explore how can we be more mindful of building yeah. communities with women, really supporting women. So yeah, I'm curious to to dive into this one. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because there's a lot of facets at which we can kind of approach this topic. And one of the ones that I really like to talk about is, you know, how are we supporting women through our purchasing dollars, right? Because I know for me, I'm hiring contractors, you know, I'm hiring experts, I'm hiring coaches, like all the people I've hired to support me in my business. I've made a really strong point of trying to make it as many women as possible that I'm supporting, right? So women coaches and women contractors and women VAs and women podcast producers and, you know, and it's interesting because, that has sort of been my very mindful and determined experience. And sometimes I've felt like there's not enough women that are doing what I want or I can't find a good woman that is sort of in that that niche that I'm looking for. And it's interesting when I've chosen men or I've worked with men and eventually I've always come back to women because I think supporting women is my passion anyway – But also there's something about working with women as both contractors or as experts who get you and understand your language and can really understand sort of what you're going through. And I find that is such a better experience. What do you think, Laura? 
Yeah, I think this is a really interesting angle to come at, um, thinking about the consumer power and purchasing power. And we've heard this over and over again, you know, that actually it's women that make the the most purchasing decisions in their households. Women are the ones going online to shop. Women are going into the stores to shop for their spouses, for their children, for their uh, family members, you know, so we're we're making a lot of decisions about purchasing for ourselves and our families, and then you put us um, in our businesses, and when we're purchasing vendors, we're purchasing women-owned products, or or we're not, or you know, or vendors that are consultants, and everyone has sort of. Um, certain skill sets that they look for and when they want to bring on people into their team. But I'm kind of curious of like how intentional are people to look for that, you know, to really go online and even search. I think it's getting easier now. Um, We even have, I've noticed popping up online in my Instagram, I'm getting sponsored ads from subscription boxes. And one that recently came across my phone was a women-owned subscription box. And it was themed per city. So there was one for Austin and one for Nashville, I think. And then there's one called Cause Box, which is like sustainability. And I found that really interesting how, you know, if you look around, there are some businesses that are trying to make it easier to purchase the woman-owned products, right? So how are we able to do that maybe in our business even more? Yeah, I agree. I really think that we can be a lot more mindful and conscious of where we're putting our purchasing power. And, you know, we do that in some ways. Like a lot of us will shop local as an example versus, you know, going for some of the bigger stores or the, you know, conglomerate stores. But oftentimes, do we really look at are we supporting women-owned businesses? In Australia, when I was there, I was part of this great little sort of online website that was called Fem economy. And they basically had this awesome website full of all, you know, supported, validated women-owned businesses. And so if you were looking for gifts or a coach or pretty much anything, you could go there and look up a category and there you would see fully women-owned businesses, or at least I think it had to be 80% women-owned. And so that's such a great idea. And they would do like gift-giving guides and all kinds of things. And I think there's a lot more of those kind of companies out there that are giving us, you know, these examples and these access to find some of the smaller, more amazing women-owned businesses. Yes, I agree. I'm seeing so many initiatives around that. And, you know, one of the big kind of aha moments for me that someone shared, you know, that women who are in the States that are becoming certified as women-owned businesses, so you can go through a certification process. And and I think it's, you know, you just have to be majority owned by a, a woman. You don't have to be 100% owned, but majority owned. And um, that apparently you are also more visible to grants and funders and foundations. Mm-hmm. So when people are looking to support a minority-owned or a woman-owned business, they can go to this database. And so they're more likely to find you if you actually certify yourself. So there's two things that I am kind of segueing into something here. We're talking about how do we, you know, find and support women-owned businesses? What does that really mean to use our purchasing power? Not just say, hashtag I support you, you know, yay, good job. Um, But I'm actually putting my money behind that and I'm going to go and I'm going to buy your product or I'm going to choose your um, software because you're a female developer and I'm going to use your software in my business. But the other side of it is 
how can you make yourself more visible too? I think that's going to yeah. be an important thing for us to talk about in this discussion. Are you looking for ways to add yourself to these directories? Are you looking at local certifications? I'm only aware of those in the United States, but if you're in other places, you know, go and just get online and look at women-owned certification in your area because I bet there's so much more out there. And the more that we start to all collectively get comfortable with sharing that and getting visible, then it'll just be the consumers will also be like, oh, yeah, can't you just go to that directory? <laughs> just look that up, you know, so yeah, we really push sure. the needle on that. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing we really have to discuss, you know, because I don't think it's discussed enough is are we choosing women of color? Are we choosing to support businesses and organizations that are operated by women of color? Like, you know, because that's also marginalized and, you know, avoided and a lot of women are still getting paid less than white women. And I think these are all things that are part of a, a larger discussion of who are we choosing to support? Who are we putting our money behind? How are we helping people up? All of us, you know, and I think that is also a really powerful perspective to start to look at. Yes, definitely. I mean, we do, we shared these stats before and like, you know, with VC funding and such too, we're talking about how challenging that is for women. It's like under 3%. And then you look at women of color, it's less than 1%. And also eco uh, sustainability, you know, more and more consumers are starting to think of what kind of values do I have? And can I find businesses that align with those values and put my money behind that? And that's really what, you know, as a small business owner in Austin, Texas, sometimes I wonder why more locals aren't thinking, you know, I hear so many people complaining now that Austin's changing. Oh, it's becoming, you know, a little bit too commercialized. We're losing small businesses. But so you got to go out there and shop the small businesses, folks. You know, you've got to make sure that if you really believe in the values of these businesses in your local communities, then make sure that, yes, it could be more convenient to go shop at Costco, but what if you went to that small business owner and, you know, bought from her and supported those people in your just in your neighborhood. So yeah, this conversation is more than right, just more than women supported, but it's like women supported with your values and thinking about who in your neighborhood do you really want to see succeed and go spend some of your time and money there. Yeah. And I think this is such I think specifically our purchasing power is a really important discussion because you know I think a lot of us are are supportive. We'll cheerlead or we'll have encouragement. Or we'll say, hey, when we get to a certain point in our business or a certain point in our financial success, then we'll contribute to a nonprofit or we'll contribute to a charity or we'll give some money away. But every single day, you are purchasing things, right? We are all purchasing things. I mean, we all have a million things we're purchasing for our business. We're purchasing for our family. We are literally purchasing every single day. And we have a choice where we put those dollars. And those dollars can make a huge difference in lives, in businesses in the support of women's empowerment. But we don't often think like that because we're sort of, I don't know, we just, we're sort of just used to some of our habits. It's not even that we wouldn't think of it. We just don't think of it. You know, we get habitual in the stores that we go to and the places that we shop, or we look for what's a little bit cheaper. But this is such an important piece that if we can choose to support more women and more women of color, we lift everyone up. And it's a really, really powerful message. 
Yes, yes. And, you know, the there's been research um, that shows that women reinvest that into their communities. So apparently like 80 to 90 percent, like women will reinvest into their communities where men average like a 30 percent, you know, reinvestment. And I think we've we've shared this on previous episodes. It's just really important to know that yeah, when you put that purchasing power in that there is a ripple effect. And I think that it's very common in the States to think about if you want to do good, you often look for the local nonprofits in your community to do donations in kind or monetary donations, which is wonderful. But also remember there are social conscious businesses that are owned by women and minorities in your community, and they are also doing really great things with the work that they're doing. So when you want to support and think, you don't have to stick just to that one sector of nonprofit. You actually can be a philanthropist to support a woman-owned or minority-owned business because if you look at what they're doing in that business, they might be doing some sort of systemic change or giving back to the local community in a really profound way. You actually may amplify that impact because then they are doing something with a local nonprofit. And by you spending your dollars, it's activating it in a whole nother way. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that this conversation really brings up as well is we have to see where sort of our unconscious biases are, right? Yes. Like I see this a lot with business coaching, right? It's always surprises me or shocks me a little when women talk about hiring a male business coach. And I know like this is just sort of my perspective, I guess, but I don't feel like a man would have any clue what I'm going through on a daily basis, how I'm navigating the balance between raising my kids and, you know, functioning as a woman and serving people and helping. And and so, you know, I always find that so interesting, but I think what happens is there's still some bias, there's still some belief that a lot of women have that men are more successful in business and that somehow they've got the secret formula or they've got more information or they know how to create more money. And so there's these really interesting unconscious biases that we all have, right? So that can be, you know, in the sexism range, it could be that we think men are better in certain areas and women are not as good in certain areas. And so we choose men in those areas. It could be that we have unconscious bias against women of color. And so, you know, we don't recognize that we're always choosing, you know, the businesses that are white women or white men, you know, so there's all these ways in which we have these unconscious biases. And the whole point is that we need to stop and self-examine. We need to look at where is our unconscious bias that is not there lending a support and hand to those who need it, to those who could have great power. What I love about supporting businesses in particular rather than just charities is that businesses are reaching out to lots more people, right? It's like the, like some people say teaching teachers are, you know, it's like you're basically supporting the people who are then reaching out to so many more people. It's that ripple effect. And we have the power just by buying the same things that we buy every day to choose the people who are making a difference in other people's lives. And I think that's a really important thing to do. Yes, yes. And, you know, I think that in regards to that unconscious bias, you're so right that people are making decisions without thinking and examining that a little bit further. So this is just sort of a, um, an invitation for you to think, you know, 
a little bit harder and like, why are you supporting the businesses that you're supporting? And, you know, could you see those differently if you were to think about, is there an unconscious bias there or an internalized sexism? You know, we talk about internalized racism or sexism and you think a woman, surely she's not going to think that about another woman because she herself is a woman. (laughs) But when we've internalized sexism, um, when we've been told that we can't do something well, then we may think, well, why would I hire a woman then to do that work? So looking at, you know, where where do you have those um, things like, oh, women aren't good with money, so I'm not going to hire a female CPA, you know, things like that that people are just unconscious of often and we're holding that. So I think it's important to to examine that and to think like, how is that then limiting us in our interpersonal relationships with other women? And, you know, jealousy and just insecurities that come up around women, I personally feel that that's based on a fallacy. It's based on a a myth that's been perpetuated through patriarchy that makes women feel like there's only a few spots for us at the top of the ladder. There's only a few of us that get to be successful. There's only a few of us that get in the room or at the table. And because we continue to believe and have internalized that sexism, then we treat other women as if there's not enough room for all of us. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I'm kind of like you where I guess I've developed really good women relationships. But I do remember experiencing even, you know, in high school, like the, the people keeping you down, people walking all over you, you know, that that experience of other women you know, jealous or not supporting you or making you feel small or, you know, there's these experiences that we have. But I've been lucky, I think, or blessed in business to really be able to find some women who are like-minded, who've really supported me and raised me up. And But I do also hear stories like you, Laura, where there are women who experience just a lot of people sabotaging them. I definitely experienced some of that in Australia as well. There's the tall poppy syndrome there that a lot of people talk about uh, where, you know, it's you're not really supposed to stand out in the crowd. Like right. it's really, you know, you're really supposed to sort of conform and fit in and, and not be too special or, you know, too sunshiny because <laughs> then you're yeah. going to be, you know, sort of pushed down. So there's some really interesting cultural influences. And I think, you know, that is also part of patriarchy, as you said, you know, as women, we have been kept down. Like there's no doubt about it in like a thousand subtle ways we have been kept down. We have been diminished in our power deliberately. And so all of us in some ways have to navigate that. We have to address that. We have to explore that. And a lot of my clients find that out when they start going through my program. They don't realize how much internalized patriarchy or internalized sexism they have because that's what they've been taught. And so then you can see how if we're unconscious, if we're not exploring those unconscious biases, we're playing some of those patterns out. Even if we're a loving person who's mostly really great and and honors women, there are still ways in which all of us, you know, play out our unconscious biases. And I think that is what we're really trying to bring to light is, you know, when is the last time you self-examined or that you stopped and really said, huh, where am 
I purchasing? Like, where am I purchasing from? What am I choosing to put my dollars toward? Who am I choosing to support? Where do I still have unconscious biases that aren't being discovered and understood and explored? And am I choosing deliberately? Am I actually choosing to support women deliberately every day? Or is there still a lot of ways in which I'm not supporting women? Yeah. I mean, imagine if we just kind of gave ourselves a a little exercise of every time that you wrote a post and you were going to put a hashtag of women supporting women or empowering women that you had to ask yourself, like, what am I doing today to do that? Yeah. I love that. Not just the hashtag, but like, what am I doing that's behind that hashtag? What am I doing today? Did I just go and celebrate a success, you know, with another woman? Did I like lift another woman up? Did I purchase from a woman-owned company? Like ask yourself, where are the ways that you're really supporting each other? And I, I agree that, you know, it's it's these unexamined thoughts and biases. And so all we're really saying is like, this is not to – criticize self. This is just to be curious. Like, where could I do this more? And where have my own experiences where maybe women have hurt me? And, you know, where are you carrying that wound and perpetuating that instead of freeing yourself and coming into community with other women? Because there's really nothing else like it. I was just celebrating a friend of mine, you know, she had a pink party because she has gone through breast cancer and now she has been cancer free and she had a, a celebration to really mark that moment for her. And she made a point of saying that there was nothing else like her women, her sisterhood, like nothing else came through. She's like, of course, my friends, my family, my kids, my spouse, you know, like All of these people are super important, but there's something about women tending and caring for other women. It's just extremely powerful. And we don't want to let the, you know, the pettiness or just unexamined things like keep us from one another. Because that's the thing is I I think it is trauma. I think it's wounds. It's a fear that keeps us, you know, keep us from one another. And so just looking at, you know, where do I want to move into deeper connection? And I think culturally, I want to speak to what you said about like the tall poppy syndrome in Australia and in here in the States, there's a lot of um, invitation to be successful and to be independent. And women are encouraged now, like you can be anything. But what's interesting is that there's still an expectation of what that looks like. And yeah. women have seen other women publicly diminished, threatened, and ridiculed for being too ambitious, being too bold, for mm. being um, bra- oh my, you know, who does she think she is? Oh my God, she's you know just too much, over the top, you know, all of these things. So when we've seen women step into their power, and we've just seen them, you know, crucified, then it's really challenging for us to want to follow suit. But what I want to bring up on this in this conversation is that, but if we all really start to break down that myth and and stand the next time someone criticizes a woman like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that thing that she did? You could, yeah, join in or you could say, you know what? I think that was really brave. I think it took a lot of courage for her to do that. And I know it's uncomfortable for us to watch a woman sitting in her absolute 100% power. It makes us uncomfortable, right? But I think it's freaking awesome. <laughs> you know? yeah. And just like start yeah. thinking about like having those conversations and, and really stepping behind women that are putting themselves out there. 
Yeah. Look, it's so easy to jump into criticism and judgment and to make someone wrong for what they're doing. But I think this is where we really have to look at how we're perpetuating some of the glass ceilings for women instead of lifting people up and supporting them. And I've seen this in countless different ways, you know, whether it's, and this does happen a lot online. And I think because people feel safe behind their, you know, keyboards, you know, the keyboard warriors, as some people call them, you know, they feel safe being able to kind of ostracize or criticize or judge or get catty. And, And it can happen obviously in real life as well. And I think that, you know, we really have to understand what that does. We aren't just, you know, maybe diminishing that one woman. We are diminishing all women. We We are perpetuating the myths about how women are. We are perpetuating the myths about why women aren't good enough. Like there's all these ways in which we are responsible and continuing the disempowerment of women. And I see a lot of people saying they empower women and I I see them then do things that disempower women. And hey, we're all there. Like I definitely have ways I could support women more. I have ways in which like I tell people, hey, I'm here to support you, but I'm not really doing anything to support them. So there's always ways we can improve. We can become more conscious. We, you know, can really think about this. But I think we also have to look at where we are actually disempowering people, right? So it's not just what we're not doing, you know, what are we doing that's disempowering? In what ways are we diminishing women? Are we keeping them down? Are we not supporting them? Are we looking at them with judgment? Because the number one thing I hear by women who are afraid to step into their power or women who are struggling to get their voice out or succeed in their business, the number one thing is fear of judgment and criticism. And how have each one of us been contributing to that judgment and criticism, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think is important. You know, if we start looking at where are we internalizing those thoughts and perpetuating that treatment of women and then changing that behavior, you know? So first we have to notice it and then shifting it and saying, wait, I could jump on that bandwagon of completely criticizing or I can figure out a way to support her. And the other thing that's really interesting, I I heard this once and I've always remembered it. And the advice was, you know, another, a woman was talking about this exact thing. And she said, you know, what I started to do is that every time I saw a woman succeeding and I felt myself do this petty thing where I wanted to pick at how she looked or picked at how she did it or whatever, I would notice, well, that's jealousy. Basically, I'm feeling jealous of what she's doing. And what that means if I'm jealous of a woman is that she's doing something that I have held myself back from doing. There's something that she's achieving that I want to allow myself to achieve and I'm diminishing myself or I'm keeping myself small. I have my own limitations and I'm upset that she has broken through those barriers and she's not the one to persecute. It is my own internal fears and insecurities that I can then turn to and just be like, how do I do more of that? How do I do what she's doing? And, you know, and she's like, and it's interesting because it's actually helped me figure out what I want to be doing more of. So when it was someone who was speaking, doing all the public speaking, then I said, you know, obviously I want to, I want to get out on the stage. I want to do more public speaking if I find myself wanting to be critical of every woman that I see succeeding in that platform, you know? So thinking about that, like when you find yourself having those little petty thoughts, like where 
are you wanting to step into that arena, into that space, and you haven't let yourself? Yeah, so powerful. I love that perspective. And you all, I think, you know, it needs to be said that there is a difference between ownership and responsibility and guilt and criticism towards self and beating oneself up. So, you know, and I think we need to talk about those differences because what we're talking about here is a lot about ownership and responsibility. Owning where we have unconscious bias, owning what we're doing with our money, owning, you know, the ways that we are disempowering women, you know, and so a lot of us don't want to admit those things because they feel bad, right? Or we feel guilty or we feel like we're wrong. And so sometimes a lot of people will either just not admit that they do anything, like they never do that. They only empower women. I've heard a lot of people say that. You know, we all disempower women in some way because we are brought up in the patriarchal world and that it's inevitable. And so when we can own it, when we can look at it, when we cannot make it wrong, but it's just something we've done that doesn't feel good and we want to shift it or we want to change it, that is super empowering for ourselves and empowering for the world. But that's very different than getting stuck in how bad we are, how wrong we are. We are like the most evil people in the world. Like there's a downward spiral that can really happen when you start to have that self-criticism. What we're talking about is having that place of ownership and responsibility that says, you know what? Yes, I have done this. Yes, there are times when I disempower women and it's not good, but I've done it and it's okay and I have the power to change that. I have the power to be someone who cares for women, who empowers women, who does more for women. And so that's really what I want to just just bring up to light because I think it's really, really important that we understand the difference. I'm so glad that you're underlying that point because it is a matter of being curious about where we are with that, what we're thinking and what our actions are, and then being compassionate when we find ourselves kind of under the mark of where we want to be. It's not being critical, but it's being compassionate. And then asking myself like, but what can I do today? You know, how can I do that differently? How can I see the world through a different lens and support a fellow woman? And, you know, I mean, I just, I think that this conversation is one that could be had in so many um, circles and, and like if you're a part of a group of women, even now, like bringing this to them, you know, in so for this month of October, as we think about small business, women own small businesses, you know, just like bringing that to each other's attention. Like, gosh, you know, how do you feel about that? It's, it's kind of like the conscious raising that we do around certain issues of like, are you the only one or is it just me? Right. And like the more that we start talking to one another about like how well are are you supporting women? Gosh, like what could we do more of? I think making this into a um just a more regular conversation. And you know, and one thing, and I, I just have to share like one thing that I've been working on personally to make a difference in this is that, you know, I think it's really important that people know how they can purchase or patron a women-owned business. And my passion is for the co-working industry. So, you know, for this month, I'm going to be actually putting out a lot of information on how to co-work local and co-work women-owned in your community. So I wanted to just share, like, if people are out there co-working and trying to find communities and, you know, you may belong to a great space that is owned by men or by a man, that's great. But if there's something about being in a space that's nurtured by women 
then please go and find those. And there's, you know, a map of those women now. We have 100 women on our map, Sonia, 100 women-owned spaces now um, that are all like local, independently owned, women-owned co-working spaces, mostly in the United States and Canada, but we also have Europe and Asia, Africa, Australia. Um, So please go and check that out this month if you guys are co-working because that's where you're going to find a whole lot of women that are supporting other women, I I believe. I feel like it's a new movement within business that's really bringing women into more close connections with one another. Yeah, so I agree completely. And I think, you know, we've we've given you all some things to think about. What I would really encourage you to do, like, you know, it's great to to think about things and to listen to these podcasts, but I love when people kind of take action from it, right? So I would really encourage you sometime this week just sit down for 20 minutes, grab your pen and paper, your iPad, whatever you like to write in or draw in, and really feel into in what things could I implement in my business right now or in my life right now that would support more women. You know, what could I do besides just having a target market of women? Because I know a lot of women do have a target market of women and we are supporting women in those ways. But what else could we do? What purchasing power could we have? Who could we hire? Like what women could we hire? Where could we frequently go? Where could we buy gifts that is women-owned? You know, just in what little ways could we contribute? Where could we co-work and really shift everything? Because I don't know about you all, but I mean, I really do believe it's time for women to rule the world and it's going to take all of us supporting each other and the men in our lives, right? We need men in the world to be supporting women as well. But right now we have to start with ourselves first to really look at where can we first support women. And then of course, we need to inspire the men in our lives and the, the big corporations and everyone to be supporting women on such a deep level because we have amazing gifts and we're, we have so much power that we can bring to the world that we can influence so much change. And I think the world is in longing for that feminine and the and really sort of that women's power. So, you know, it's definitely something to think about as you go into your week and see what you can shift in your life. Even one tiny thing will make a huge difference. Agreed. Thank you, Sonia. Well said. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Are you looking for a supportive community of women business owners? Come join us in our free Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. We have honest conversations about how to grow your service business, conduct live Q&As, and support each other as we navigate the world of being a woman in business. You can find us at facebook.com backslash groups backslash women in the business arena. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Women in the Business Arena. We'd love to welcome you into our community. Come join the Women in the Business Arena Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can find me at sonyastatman.com. See you next week.